0: Right, ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another week of barstool backstage another week with a great interview with Gunnar olsen amazing drummer we have stories about springsteen tool Th- this was just an unbelievable interview great drummer one of the best drummers in the fucking world mark robert's seal of approval when we get into that on the podcast kenny's boy kenny how was the interview
1: dude Gunnar is one of my favorite people on earth he's one of my favorite drummers on earth um I didn't know much about him until I toured with him in Big Data. And I saw him play. Big Data is like electronic funk music. Yep. So to see a drummer with that pocket play every night blew my mind, became a fan, found out that he fucking is one of the best drummers around. So, uh, And he's funny. He's one of us. He's a real yep. person. And I love talking to him. So it was a great conversation.
0: Turns out he just played on the new Maxbox 20 single too. So our worlds continue to collide. <laughs> uh, I like, we are. We are. Yeah, he played with OAR. Our worlds continue to collide, and this thing keeps growing and getting legs. And I know I sound positive now, but I actually just want to start with my off the list. And I'm fired up today. I'm actually on a Kenny mode today. I'm pissed off. I love it. I can explain, and I'm about to rant for a second. So we posted this video, Barstool tagged us in this video yesterday, of Morgan Wallen having to cancel the rest of his tour for vocal rest, right? I'm like, cool. I expected some comments to be like, fuck Morgan Wallen. Like he's a piece of shit. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I'm not a huge fan of the guy. I respect like his music. He's obviously huge, but in the comments just started this war of Taylor Swift fans coming in being like, well, Taylor Swift is better. No, Morgan Wallen's better. Fan groups are off my list and they all need to get a fucking reality check and realize none of the people that you spend your days sucking their dick on the internet they don't care none of them care literally none and you spend your whole lives dedicating them to these people on the internet that literally don't know that you exist fan groups freak me out I, they always have the k-pop groups the taylor swift shit i can't deal with it anymore
1: should i be the dante here you're be such the dante. a hater since he's not here oh, you're a hater i'm just kidding I, I, don't, I don't feel that way what's that
2: what's taylor that p on your hat colin what do you think stands for, for? is it some kind of fan group, you fucking hypocrite? Oh yeah. you. <laughs> the more, they're like known as being the worst fans on the planet, too. I yeah, literally... seriously, what I I didn't even know anything about baseball, football, anything really. I just know that if something happens, good or bad, Philadelphia's burning funny. Totally, you know, <laughs> I was
0: just saying about fan groups and shit. And literally, my last tweet from the band account was, "A Boston, suck my fucking dick, you <laughs> <Yeah>, losers." <serious. laughs>
2: Dude, this is every good. You know what an ouroboros is—a snake eating its tail. That's what yeah. you just sound like, huh? <laughs> I
1: am an ouroboros. By the boy. way, I wow. did your—I com- did tweet your comment out, Johnny, that you were too scared to do from yours about Jared Leto. Jared Leto's new single is, oh! is the music. What Mobius was? Oh
0: my god. Can we t- all right? I was gonna do a video, I'll still do a video about this, but I guess we'll lead off with music news. Jerry Leto, man, chill out.
1: What the hell was that? Oh, no, that's all over the internet of like the new single cover he looks like he eats children, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: no, he looks like he went to a set design or a designer and said, Make me look like I eat children. It looks like D-Dion Fort done by like Disney Channel or something. Oh, no. That's how I would describe it.
0: The new 30s, by the way, the, the 30 Seconds of Mars song is bad, but the video of this lady in like black and white, like sucking her own toes, and then Jared Leto in a Jesus pose, looking like he's about to digest children. What are we doing, Jared Leto? Whatever well, he's, he's
2: getting. I guess he's getting us to talk about, it. and that's the, that's what I always come back to. Is whenever I get really angry about something, I realize like, oh, I'm thinking about them, and oh, they have won. Press is good press. Am I right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh,
0: but I mean, just as far as like a human being who has gone too far, I think he's gone. I think he. I don't think there's a redeeming thing with Jared Leto anymore. I think he's just like got a weird Jesus <laughs> like like concept like going on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I that's. That's what I've always kind of heard from people that like know him via having worked with him that it's he's definitely a bit of an absolute egomaniac.
0: Dave brought this up to me earlier about like being able to read people. Johnny, I think you're afraid of Jared Leto.
2: I'm afraid of him. I'm afraid of his fans because I think they're quite like they're pretty hardcore like group that would get very angry. I like, not enough, To tell you the truth, I was thinking about this the other day because my heart is so filled with hate. I could do three <laughs> hours every episode of like what I hate, this, that, and the other. And that video would definitely be near the top of the list because it's so atrocious. But it's like, do I? I'm, I'm thinking I might be fucking moving more towards the Dante's side of life or something. Wow. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, J- oh. Dave, have you seen this? Yeah. <laughs> what is, yeah. How good is that <laughs> <Yes>. photo, dude?
0: <laughs> What is it? Is that Buddy Jesus? Is that what it's called? Hey, I don't know. I guess. So, oh my god. Dave, have you seen this video we're talking about?
3: Yeah, I know you're talking about the internet I was going nuts over. It. The guy's a fucking lunatic, man. Like, oh my I,
0: god.
3: I I I, I use say Johnny is afraid of him. I fear that man. He's not, he's <laughs> like a loose cannon. I like he is so out there.
0: He does strike me as the kind of white guy that would keep a ninja sword on him at all times.
2: No, no, I think what it is, he actually does come across like he might be vindictive, like in some minuscule chance that like he hears this and is like, oh, Congress, what are you going to like this one hit wonder band and then like spend the rest of his life trying to destroy our career. Like just like, not that he could, like we need anyone's help, but it's like yeah. he would just, but it's like he would just, he would get it, he would get off on that. Just like, fuck, I'm going to destroy this guy. Like one
3: of those guys that is just like so brilliant. He's like, He's too smart, like almost in an autistic way.
0: He does strike me as the kind sense. of guy that practices sucking his own dick, though.
1: Oh, he. Well, I think he can. Now we'll just put that aside. But I'm curious. Like, it's crazy, like <laughs> how many good movies, how incredible his acting has been, and then you get things like the Suicide Squad, and then you get things like Morbius, yeah. you get things like Thirty. So, like what? Ha- what happened? He started making his own decisions. <laughs>
2: no, nah, dude, I think there, there's actor syndrome. It like happens pretty much to all of them. And if you see an actor in their later years that's like a, a legend that hasn't gone full kind of batshit crazy, that, that's the exception that proves the rule. There's something about that world of acting that just drives you insane. It's like you're focused on yourself too much or something.
0: If you're an actor or a celebrity, there's only one person you should base your life off of. And it's Adam Sandler.
2: 100%.
0: <laughs> Just become oh. Sandler. Just become Sandler. That's it. He's the what, what do you boy. mean
2: by that? Just like chill, kind of... Like, yeah. Yeah. Be
0: a normal person. Wear basketball shorts everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. D- dressing old baggy
2: and one every day. You say and- that, but historically like you dude look at you've been obsessed with Kanye West he's the opposite of that like people are drawn to that craziness it's the part of the reason Jared Leto is so popular is not just because like yeah he's a talented actor and everything but he's got that bit of that like crazy messianic thing that draws people to him you know like you have to have that if you're a reasonable artist everyone's like oh boring do something stupid
0: I think in my uh, mid twenties, egomaniac days, where I thought I had a bit of Kanye West in me, I was more. I think I'm more attracted to the Sandler's of the world now, where I'm like, that dude's just the man. He's just chilling. He's just hanging out. Yeah, yeah.
2: But you see that—that's what it is. It's like an age thing. Like for a long career, that's definitely the angle is to just basically play the slow boat. But you want to hit with the kids or with like 20 year olds you got to be out there and fucking wild and crazy you know i
1: don't want that though
2: yeah i yeah. have no, no interest in that
1: adam sandler seems like he's in a good place mentally and, sp- and spiritually or whatever because he doesn't care obviously Max. he doesn't give a shit so look how healthy he is you know? but that
2: i've said this before i think he's not trying to prove anything adam sandler like he's conquered the film comedy world he's done he's had massive albums he's done stand-up he's done everything he's like critically acclaimed like in punch drunk love he was fucking amazing in that movie movie. jared leto i think is still trying to prove to the world that he's a musician and like he needs to be taken seriously and i don't think he really is most of the time despite being a huge artist i think he's still trying to crack that nut
0: jared leto wants to be father john misty I think that's that's really what it is. How
2: does Jared Leto not know that dropping a hundred
1: colored balloons and doing three sixties in a trench coat with a guitar and makeup (laughs) is not that's not that's not how you do it, brother?
0: (laughs) Could you imagine if you went to Jared Leto's house and he just had like like you walked in, you expected to be art pieces all over the wall. He just had one couch and like a TV on the floor and just bottles of Mountain Dew everywhere. And he's like, yeah, Yo, you want to play Xbox? It's like, he's just a great act. He's just been doing this method acting for so long that when he's just in his own zone, he's just a fat slob. It'd be fucking great. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let, let, let's, let's get away from Jared Leto For <laughs> I fucking freaking out. Coming in hot today. Um, before we get in the interview, I did have a question. It's something I posed on the internet. Um, I put on the backstage socials. But uh, a memory of mine came up this week on Facebook that 10 years ago this week, three albums came out on the same day that were huge. It was Watching Movies with the Sound Off by Mac Miller, Born Sinner by J. Cole, and Yeezus by Kanye West all came out on the same day in 2013. 2013 was a fucking fantastic year for music. Uh, Modern Vampires of the City by Vampire Weekend came out. It was a great, great year for music, right? AM by Arctic Monkeys. And I look at it today and I go... Has the music industry progressed or regressed in the past 10 years? Are we in a better place in the music industry now or 10 years ago? I
1: commented on your shit, and I said that the 2010s, it's like, okay, the 90s were great. The 2000s were fucking kind of lame. 2010s were incredible. And I don't, at three years into the 2020s, I don't think we have enough data yet, but I don't think we've hit the mark yet. Well, I was thinking, am I too close to this
0: entire situation right now? Like am I not zoomed out enough to say like, oh shit, that actually was dope? Like we're so fucking deep into it right now because we live I forget what shit. it's
2: called. I think it's called like bell Epoque syndrome or something which is this idea that you always everyone has an idea that there was some time, whether it's 10 years, 20 years ago that was better. Like you always dream that that was better. Um There's definitely a factor in that. I think there are, like, ups and downs cycles. Like, we might be in a bit of a weird one now just because of the rise of, like, streaming AI. Like, it's got to get over this hump before we get back into some real good shit. I don't know.
1: I think think there has been a, a lot of good music, but, like, the way... And maybe it was just because I was so engulfed in the alternative world in the 2010s, but the way the alternative music scene and genre came out in the 2010s, like, how hard it hit, like, pop music was fucking Walk the Moon and 21 Pilots and, and all this crazy shit, right? <clears throat> I think there's been great music in the 2020s for sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: I think more of my thing is a vibe. And I just don't... Like, I saw like kind of a review of the albums of the year so far halfway through the year. And there's really not much. There really isn't much. And maybe people aren't looking for it anymore. But I, I'm just not looking for anything right now. I'm really not. Like, there's nothing that's coming my way. That Jenny Lewis album that fucked me up last week Jenny came Lewis out three album, years ago. The new- came three, three years
1: ago. It came out three years ago. Four years ago. It came out in 2019. Oh, well, the new Kendrick record, the Wet Leg record, the band Joseph. Um, there's, there's something- you said
2: new Queens of the Stone Age is coming, right? Or like they've dro- hinted. That.
0: That's the savior right there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm fucking so excited. They cryptically tweeted out that there's something coming this Friday. I want to know what it is because Josh Jaime is going to drop something fucking crazy. Cause they just came out with that Mark Ronson album like three years ago. I can't, I I still like that record, but a lot of people didn't like it. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think maybe I'm looking at it more on like a structural thing. This also freaks me out. Remember like in the midst of the pandemic, me, Dave and Kenny, you guys will remember this. We were talking and we're like, dude, imagine when the pandemic's over all the great works of art, we're going to get from all these artists that were sitting around doing nothing. We didn't get it. Yeah. It didn't happen. It's true. What was everybody doing during the pandemic? I thought we were going to get great... Tweeting. Like, yeah, tweeting. Yeah,
3: sitting, bitching about masks and playing video games. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's all it really was, dude. We did not get this great cultural renaissance that I thought we were going to get coming out of the pandemic. We're going to
2: get it. The, the real great art comes when times get really hard. And like I'm not saying that the pandemic wasn't hard for people, but I think shit's about to get way, way, way harder. Really? Yeah.
0: Explain. You're talking about like freefall financials,
2: like yeah, like collapse of the banks and the dollar, and like the rise of China and all that. Like it's gonna be, you know, it's just gonna be one of those fucking times, like the like the '30s, like lead up to World War II sort of thing. But think of the fucking albums we're gonna get, Colin. Who cares if Who cares if billions of people have to suffer and die? We might get a new album.
0: What's a couple bodies when you got great art? I'm not worried about it.
1: Are we gonna get a new fitness was taken album? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. Johnny could speak on that too. I think Max is gone forever. I also don't. <laughs> you really think
0: even if Max is around, you'd still want to do it, Kenny? Uh
1: so I heard. So I, I, heard, I listened to a fitness record the other day because I hadn't listened to it in like a year and a half or two years, and then I just put it on when I was at the gym, and. The album Karate that we made, I think, is what I'm most proud about in my entire musical career. Even beyond any of the A Wall shit, like yeah, there's
2: you know, a- awesome shit on there, man. No, it's good record. It was
1: just so fucking me and mine, and came from my brain. And so I don't know. I had so much fun making that record. I'd love to make new shit, but I'm not gonna fucking beg anybody or pull anybody's leg to make shit. You know what I mean? I'm
0: still deep within the uh, I gotta make record stage. And I can guarantee you there's a new Foxtrot and a solo column record coming this year. And we're back in the studio next week, which makes me so fucking excited, yeah. dude. <laughs> I wake up every day like this, Johnny. Does that freak you out?
1: Need to build a studio.
2: No, I appreciate your enthusiasm. It's, it's really cool to see. I'm not being sarcastic.
1: Excited yeah, really... to be us, Johnny. Huh? It used to be us, Johnny.
2: I'm enthusiastic. I think it's just a different kind of enthusiasm, you know? Like it was it's...
0: Like Zen Buddhist enthusiasm.
2: I don't have that. That's what I would aspire to. I literally have the opposite of that. It's like I've, I've frustration become, that I don't have that, which is like defeating the purpose of it, you know? I've
1: become enthusiastic about dollars in my old, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So while I still make
2: shit. Well, yeah, two oh, babies will do that to you, Ken. Well, it's
1: like, <laughs> while I still make shitloads of music, most of it, none of it are passion projects, you know what I mean? But
2: like, see, well, I'm moving in a different direction. In fact, all my brothers, we talk about this constantly because it's a endless struggle. Like, this, is, hey, here's my off the list. Posting music on Instagram and these other social media platforms where I think it's like 60% of people now are on Instagram without sound and you're trying to convince them to like your fucking music. It's like, what have I got to do? Like you got to put a fucking, a face there, captions, make it look like a podcast, but actually you're sneaking in a fucking song. So that's my off the list. But at the same time, like, I'm just moving in the direction of like, okay, well that's where we're at. So fuck it. We're just going to make, only the music we want to make eventually if it's good enough it hopefully sticks if it doesn't whatever you die knowing you tried to make some good shit
1: and therein lies what i usually tell people anyway it's like whether or not i even release music i'm still gonna make music because it's just what i i I make music and it's what i do for fun so you know
2: i think about this all the time like the if you won the lottery sort of thing the first thing i would do is a million dollar campaign of saying i'm leaving the music industry Right. You know, just like advertise goodbye and then I would continue to put out albums but like I would just never ever ever think about anything in the music business again I yeah. would record I'd like put them out if, if you know there's people out there that want to hear what we're doing that's oh, awesome cool.
1: yeah, See, yeah. That was, again that was the thing about fitness that I love so much Was it was the first time I made music I released it and I never looked at a number not a single number didn't care just wanted Sweet. to make shit and put it out and it was so therapeutic it was incredible
2: dude I had a- Kenny, we went out with a fucking you know I, I think <laughs> that's about as good as you can hope for. you make a great album, right. you have one of the sickest two tours you could ever have, yeah, and yeah. then you retire, I moved to Texas, Perfect. we're not retired, we're just wait like we're in I feel like we're in a holding pattern waiting for uh and to, now like, just you get sit everything here, in order
0: and now you sit here and talk with me and white Sox Dave
2: yeah. Really- but dude colin you're way. one of the most enthusiastic sports fans i've ever met <laughs> you're right and dave I, in... dave's my favorite of all of you just by the way
1: might oh, me
0: too <laughs> me
1: too
2: <laughs> i'm just here <laughs> exactly dude that's why dude. We, that's why everyone likes dave the most actually if they're honest
0: i did i had a little revenge of the nerds moment yesterday right So we had a phone call. The the guy that wrote that
3: movie just stumbled into our office like a year ago. Really? (laughs) I swear to God, he. So there's a theater. It's like a improv theater.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. Second City, right? No, that's that's close to here. It's only five seven minute drive from here. But it's like where you take classes and then hopefully get to. Anyways, he was looking for because he was looking for extras in some new movies writing, and he just stumbles in and just starts like grabbing microphones and stuff fucking blanking on the guy's name look it up real quick while, while i'm talking but um he just sat down grabbed a microphone he's like yeah i was the guy who wrote revenge of the nerds and we what? talked like 30 minutes yeah i swear to god
0: great fucking movie oh, but my, uh kenny and johnny i think you'll appreciate this this is my uh revenge of the nerds moment so we had a phone call with this record label which will remain nameless because they're cool and we will be working with them um but we're midway through the conversation and the whole time I was like, it was a very serious conversation, but I was also like fucking with people the entire conversation. And at the end, like they were asking me about Fox uh, Foxtrot and I was like, yeah, you know, like, I love your label. In fact, I can prove that. If you'll go into your uh, demo submissions for the last 10 years, I guarantee you'll find <laughs> about 10 to 15 Foxtrot EPKs in there if you guys ever want to check your email. And they were like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, no, seriously, go and look right now. I guarantee you there's a bunch of my electronic press kits in there. And I was like, by the way, I'll be in New York on Monday. If you want us to come down, I'll show you some shit. And they were like, come through. And I was like, yeah fucking that's right <laughs> <laughs> i told you i'm gonna backdoor my way into this shit and i'm doing it
1: that's that yeah, enthusiasm that i think johnny's talking about that is so beautiful and fun to see because the idea of sending a demo to a, like a blanket email is like it's so cool. dude it's we've got knows. footage of like us
2: that we, we included in our documentary like there's just footage of us like rap it was mailers back then just like printing mailers sending them to fucking universal sony everybody like literally everybody we hit with this is with come with me now not just like early shit like with stuff that ended up being fucking massive hit and uh i think every band's done that you know like that you ha- it's like you have to do that at one point it's like this is the one like uh, we'll, t- wait, wait two or three weeks and we should hear back and then we're gonna be signed i told this back, story
1: going back to the fitness days we spent tens of thousands of dollars on radio campaigns, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Such fucking bullshit. Then we decided to just like, what if I just DM a radio station and just ask them to play my song? We did it like 200 times, got a hundred responses, 50, 50- you know, specialty programs and then like 10 actual ads. And everybody's like, How did you get your music on the radio? It's like, I'm fucking happy. I it. think
2: that's what's funny now is trying that now is like you email these DJs as if they could play a record if they right. wanted to. Like you, exactly. they've got to go ask their mommy and daddy, yeah, they got to uh, go the program the- director who's got to go ask AI, who's got to go ask fucking BlackRock I if they can say, play I, a record.
1: I haven't sent anything like that in five years or something like that. But at the time, Program directors are the ones who tell the DJs essentially what to play, because <clears throat> they direct the program. Um, Jeff Regan, man, one of the best yeah. of all time. And I don't and I say that because it's not even just my stuff that he plays, but I see him take chances on so much stuff. Maybe yeah. it's because it's XM and it's different, but there are PDs like Jeff Regan that are around that are fucking just music lovers. And then there's also ones that just want to go to dinner and, you know.
0: Well, I want to give a shout out to a a program director Um, This is a really cool moment yesterday And this doesn't actually have anything to do with me It has to do with a friend of mine Um, This girl Brianna Judge She's an unbelievable artist uh, From Philadelphia I've known her since I was five years old We went to grade school together Uh, She had texted me like two weeks ago Asking me if I had any connections at NPR WXPN which are you know Fucking AAA stations and I was like yes I sent an email and linked them And then I get My phone started blowing up yesterday around like two and they were like, yo, you just got name dropped on the radio. And I was like, what's up? They fucking played breeze new single, uh, that we wrote together. Uh, and there's nice. this amazing video online of, uh, her and her newborn son, like listening to it on the radio. There you and go. I just wanted to give an amazing shout out to Brianna judge. Like to me, like that's one of those things where it's like, there's so much good music out there that just hasn't been heard Cause it's not the right situation yet. She is a talent. She sounds a lot like Maggie Rogers, uh, vocally. She has kind of like a deeper voice, and uh, I think she's one of those people that if she was in the right situation, she would be a fucking humongous artist, and I hope she gets it. Same. Um, She's the fucking shit. She has that Mike Vasilikos, WXPN, my fucking dog. Thank you for doing that. Um,
2: Can I... I'm not... This is not related to what you're saying. just triggered a memory. Um, Another thing that's off my list, I got a lot of off lists today, All right. is these artists that do like the semi-casual videos playing my new song for my former music teacher i would rather and then the fucking music teacher has to sit there and be like oh awesome yeah i'll be on your fucking tiktok video
1: (laughs) it's unfortunate because i have people i know i don't know that i'd call them friends but i have people i know that are artists who put out videos like that and it's so fucking cringy like you know you get secondhand embarrassment yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i don't know how to say that this is the worst shit i've ever heard
0: or, or like the video of like somebody being like it's like them, them in their car and it's like hearing my song in the radio for the first time and then they like fake cry <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. shut the
1: fuck yeah. up i crying into the camera are you out of your fucking mind you do <laughs> it You've never works that way
2: dude when we it. first heard our song on k-rock do you know what we did we were like yes and then we fucking Drove and tried to park and play for like forty people at the Viper yeah. Room. Like that's the story in most instances.
1: Yes. Funny too. The more the more our songs got played on the radio, the more embarrassing it became, and so you start turning it off as soon as you hear the <laughs> end of it. It's funny how it like does this ramp.
2: Jesus.
0: Yeah. All right, let's go in the interview with Gunnar. Uh, we got the Gunnar Olsen interview. We'll come out. We'll do a quick end with whatever's left of all the off list, and if there's anything we've been listening to. But uh, this is our interview with drummer gunner olsen yeah! yeah. right? there's literally yeah. nothing as a human being that i can do without this phone
2: Fucking yeah let's crazy. just jump out the window yeah <laughs> you might as well kill yourself bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that's the podcast
0: yeah that's how <laughs> we'll start it right there gunner we got gunner olsen on the podcast Gunner, how are you buddy i'm
4: great man no technical difficulties on my end
0: there's, <laughs> yeah. nothing like, there's nothing like starting a podcast with "Hey, we should just all kill ourselves." Hey, what's up, buddy? How you
4: doing? I'm <laughs> <laughs> good. Nice to meet some of you.
0: Yeah, hey, what's dude. up? I don't trust anybody that Kenny has coming on the podcast. And then I got a text this morning from Mark Roberts from OAR, and he was oh, like, fuck, "Yeah, he was like, dude, you have Gunner coming on the podcast." And I was like, "Yeah," he goes, what he goes, because Mark texts like a dad. He texts, oh yeah, that's the real deal in all caps.'" <laughs> 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 nice. Oh man. No, uh, it's nice to have you here, man. Kenny, how do you guys nice know each guy. other?
1: Uh, I met Gunner um when Fitness, my band with Max Collins, toured with Big Data, um, which was f- for many different reasons a funny tour, but one that kind of brings everybody together. And we also split a bus, Big Data and Fitness. So you know, you're on a bus for however many
2: weeks that was. So you just kind of become close buds. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Actually, we Gunner, we met like I mean, like literally just said hello. At a yeah, New yeah. York I mean, a... show when Fitness was messing up our Ballroom also, yeah.
4: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, was it Bowery Ballroom? Yes.
2: Yeah, I feel like it was Bowery. Yeah,
0: yeah. We opened my band opened for you guys in Philadelphia, and I remember being like, because it was right as uh, Dangerous was breaking, and oh, I remember cool. we we got off stage, and then you guys went on, and I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "God damn it, this song is so good."
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back then we didn't have that many songs, so often we had to like start. And end the set with it.
1: Oh, (laughs) speaking of these connections too, like how crazy is it that there's a a female singer in Big Data named Lizzie who's been dating Max now for like years? Yeah, crazy like circle. Someone dates Max Collins?
2: Yeah, I know (laughs) that. That was kind of the
1: question for for And
2: she's a really nice person too. It's like very weird. Oh God, don't even go there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, she's great. We love having musicians like you on because you're kind of like a fucking a maven, a hired gun. Like you, I I was looking at your credits here. The people you've played with are fucking crazy. And I kind of want to run through the process of being like a drummer that everybody wants to work with. Cause I feel like we've had drum, we had like Justin Nace on here. We've had Jay Weinberg, which of course you do have a connection with. Can you explain the Springsteen thing for me?
4: Yeah. The quick, the quick version is a buddy of mine. Um, has been one of his like main engineers for years. Just like a, like a, like a first call, like, Hey, like, cause he has the studio out in his uh, ranch out in New Jersey. Yep. And they were, he's always recording something. So if he's on, if he's not on tour, he's always working on either like a solo record or like a E street record. And I guess he was on tour with E street band, but working on kind of like a solo record over the course of like five years. So they were just kind of bringing in people here and there and it got to the point where like the producer Ron was like recording like a hi hat and a snare drum and a kick drum and like kind of putting together these drum ideas and Ross my buddy was like dude why don't we call a real drummer to do this <laughs> and they're like oh we have we have like some famous guy booked for like Saturday um these will just be like the guy drum parts, and Ross hooked me up, and it's like, well, why don't we get my guy Gunner, Gunner in here, and like he can, he can like play these parts for real. Best case scenario, we use them because worst case scenario, they become the drum demos for like fa- super famous drummers who they want to call in. And he wasn't supposed, to, Bruce wasn't supposed to be there when I was there, and he showed up unannounced <laughs> while like I like literally had just done one take of a song. And he came in and I was just it was I felt super awkward because he came in to hear the progress of a few other songs that they had been working on. And they're like, oh, hey, this is Gunner. Like he, he just recorded a song and he was kind of like, great. Uh, <laughs> I need to hear these hear these other two songs. And we listened to a song with like Steve Jordan playing the drums, who's arguably like one of the most famous session drummers. And then they listened to another version of the same song with Matt Chamberlain playing the drums. Wow arguably another super famous guy and both versions were very different and i think bruce you know like bruce had the i was in the room so he was like well hey do you want to give me like another option to these two other options and mind you like i heard the song twice listening to like <laughs> two of my heroes play and in the back of my mind like kind of learning the song but not like learning the song
2: yeah yeah
4: and so he was like give me options 3 option c and so I just gave him, in my view, the like, I just like pretended I was Max Weinberg because I was like, yeah. well, neither of these two guys are doing that thing. And he's been playing with this guy for like 40 years, 50 yeah. years. I don't even know. So I just did like real straight down the middle, like barroom rock. And uh, and then he, I think he just like. I was, you know, this is like 10 years ago almost. And he he just liked my vibe and I was like he called me the kid and I think he liked the idea of like having someone a little younger not like more of like a band guy less of a session guy. Yeah. And over the course of like a year I think I went out there like five or six times and I the record it's all it's, it's a record called Western Stars and yeah, I'm I love Western six- Stars. Awesome, yeah. So I'm on like six out of the eight songs with drums. It's and That was pretty, Ron, Ron and Yellow, right? Ron and Yellow, my buddy Ross Peterson, uh, Rob LeBray. Uh, such a fucking yeah.
1: sweet guy. I've, I've got to sit in the room with him a couple of times. He's awesome. Let me ask you this: just right because from-
4: he works with he works with Matt Como. A lot,
1: exactly, yeah, like exactly. they They're used like, to. Yeah, yeah, super close friends. So I've been to a lot of like get-togethers with them. But I'm curious when you're talking about like. Bruce walking in the room and then being like, hey, give me some options for this. Do you ever surprise yourself? And this might sound super shitty and conceited. Maybe not. We're like, sometimes (laughs) I'll get put on the spot by a big artist to do something and I get nervous and then I do it and I'm like, oh yeah, I forget I'm good at this. Is that (laughs) I think what
4: had helped me, I, I had been doing a bunch of audio library work for the year leading up to this where me and a bunch of buddies were making music for YouTube and we were essentially getting in a room and trying to write like songs in like four or five genres and we had to like we had some crazy order for like 400 songs in a year so it was like literally every time we got together we knew we had to leave the studio with having 10 to 15 songs done which just meant like you sit down you know like people are kind of writing the songs in a spot and when it's time to go you can't really do more than one take so it it kind of like it reinforces the thought of like, what am I gonna play that's gonna get the job done? But I'm not gonna like a take a risk on anything that's gonna be like, oh, let me try this fancy fill, and then I fuck up and we like right. so it really trains you to just like, I'm gonna do the most efficient drumming I can do that gets the idea across. Hopefully it, it sounds and feels good. And so when I did the Bruce stuff, I, I had a I had confidence like that on my side that I knew I could just I knew one or two takes would be all he would need because this the that particular record is also very is not a ton of flourishes you're kind of playing mm-hmm. one beat the whole time and ron when i came in he was like yeah like i'd say hit like the crash like three times in a song Do maybe pick like two moments for fills but the album was really in- influenced by like glenn campbell and a lot of like kind of um just like almost wall sound but like just like you're really just holding it down because like there was gonna be like a 30 piece orchestra added on. So it's
0: like country Roy Orbison is what that record is, dude. It's fucking yeah, it, yeah. it's a wild dude. I the thing that fucked me up that you just said though was you were like, Oh yeah, it was me, Steve Jordan, and Matt Chamberlain. Like that's yeah, got a yeah. Steve Jordan's probably my favorite drummer, like of, of like the <laughs> dude. And just to think, like the comp is there a competition there amongst kind of like the studio drummers of being like, Oh, am I gonna get this job or is somebody else gonna get this job?
4: I mean, there might be for them. I don't get those guys. Like, those,
0: those guys, those.
4: this was kind of like a unique scenario. Like, I don't think I'm actually ever in the same call sheet as those. It's just like, those guys are older. You know, there's like the Abe Laborials and like, I think there's, you know, Josh Freeze is on all those records. Uh, I'd like to think I'm slowly going to climb up that ladder. Uh, I don't really feel any, I also live in New York and almost every, all those, well, I don't know where Steve lives, but. I know a lot of the session guy stuff is out in LA. And I think those guys run into each other at studios mm-hmm. where in New York, like everyone's left here. So like, I'm like one, of, it's like me and Sean Pelton and like, I don't even know. And, and half the stuff I'm doing is remote anyways. So it kind of feels like your competition is like, it could be anybody that anyone could find on Instagram and hire them to play.
1: That's what, and that's one of my favorite things those as a producer in la i run through session musicians all the time and everybody knows what everybody's doing it's a small world but being able to hit up gunner who's playing on a song for me today remotely, <laughs> yeah. yeah remotely is like what an incredible option that we have you know yeah it's it's uh
4: yeah so to answer your question yeah it still blows i mean the whole thing still blows my mind and like when i, I used to tell people that story and then like when i I was like, should I not tell people the names of the drummers? And I was like, fuck it. It's like pretty, it's cool. (laughs) It's like, it's one of the coolest moments of my life. So, uh, and, and, and it, and I, and I remind people, it had nothing to do with like what those guys do, did being bad versus what I did being good. It, It was all just like, I had the upper hand that I was in the room with him and he could tell me what he wanted.
0: Right. Yeah.
4: He could hear me do a take and, and like and he didn't really actually say many things. We would listen back to what I did and his eyes would be closed and like sometimes I would see him kind of like he would do like an air fill. Not even saying do a fill there, but then the next time I did it I was like, "Well, he was kind of doing that." Just like stuff like when you're in a room with someone and someone I mean some of the songs on that record we recorded together like me and him. There's a song on there called the Stuntman which is me and him. It's literally Guitar, uh, acoustic and vocals and drums are the first take and uh-huh. we did it we just kind of did it as a guide for the other bass player and keyboard player to kind of we kept he kept changing the key of the song so like he he came into like rehearsal he like shows up he's like guys i wrote a new song and we're all watching him like play it we're learning it he's playing it for us which is like so surreal and then he knows the song really well so he's like he would record like 30 seconds in like four different keys and eventually picked, okay, like I want it to be an A minor. I'm just making that up. But because he was circling so quickly, the bass player and the piano player were making charts and then making corrections and corrections. So every time we played it, they were kind of like fucking up. Not because they can't play music, but it was just, it was moving really fast. And I have a good ear and like the drums aren't going to change pitch or, or key. So he was like, guys, me and Gunnar lay it down and you guys play on top of it. (laughs) And then we do it and they start adding layers. And I go over to Ron, the producer. I'm like, hey, when do you want me to give you like a second, third take? And he's like, no, that's the take. (laughs) And and I'm just like, and I'm thinking like, did I fuck up? Like, I, I don't even know the take well enough to like worry if I did it well or not. And we just kept listening. And like, his voice is just so true. Like, if that's the take for him, that's the take. You know, it's not like, I don't. Know, I haven't really worked with so many people like that. Where it's like usually like, oh, maybe I can fix, I can sing this part better. Just, it's all about the emotion and the story for him. So if he, if that's the first time for him and it's the thing, it's the thing. And well,
0: um, well I mean, you have to get used to working with so many different types of artists because I'm the biggest Bruce fan on earth. So this is all fucking wild. Like, <laughs> I, I want to know about this process. But <laughs> when you like look at your list of credits, because I saw Miley Cyrus on there. I saw, of course, first. So you're working with Maynard. Like, yeah. Jumping from project to project and different style to different style. Like, obviously, you're a band guy first. You've been in a touring band. Like, you work with musicians, but like, what's it like to jump from the genre to the genre? Like, going from Miley Cyrus to working with fucking Liam Keenan. Wait, 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 hold on. You work with Liam Gallagher?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I'm on his last record a little bit, like a one song.
1: What? It was a great record, by the way. It is a a great great record. record. Yeah.
4: Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah my favorites my favorite, but like the you know my favorite song that i played on that record he i so i work with andrew wyatt a lot who was in mike yeah. snow and and so he he produced the stuff i did for miley i never got to meet her but the stuff i did for her it came out a few years ago it was this um elton john kind of like tribute record with all these different artists oh yeah did a, did a cover of his song and they did a pop one and a country one. And Miley was the only artist who had a song on both, which meant I got to do two songs. Ugh. And so we did uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me and Bitches Back. And we just kind of, it's just kind of like, it, they, they both sound pretty much like the originals, but they're just a little more campy. And, um, but like Andrew Wyatt, like I've known him for years and he, he's the king of like, he calls me at like 6 p.m. when he's been at a studio since noon and it ha- like it's always like, uh, oh, my God, I fucked up. Like, I hired <laughs> the wrong drummer. Or I, like, literally, like I've, I just, I've, every time I've worked with him, I've been saving his ass. <laughs> and uh, But it's always, like, these amazing projects. And he had me come in and do something on the Liam record, because he's done some, I think he's worked on Liam's last two records. But my favorite song that I worked on, they ended up redoing it with, like, Greg Kirsten and Dave Grohl. Yeah. And so those guys replaced me so that's but not a I bad a,
0: way to get replaced i'm not going
4: no on. no not at all but i am on one song i'm on the song called i think it's called get free yeah it's about um it's about like Infowars and alex jones i don't know if liam knows that but that's what it, <laughs> it's about
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, hey so i i imagine sorry, i totally
4: I, I totally yeah i did i totally didn't answer any of your question but don't. yeah you
2: know what i mean it's better, was better when you don't answer, answer exactly. colin's questions. meander <laughs> i don't give a fuck <laughs> so I imagine on like the the studio or the session side of things, there's, you have to learn to kind of let go of your personal attachment to anything you've played. Like you were saying when you did Sorry. that session with uh, Bruce Springsteen, it's like you're not the focus. And I, I I have the same problem when I record, like with my brothers, and it's about the song ultimately, the yeah. the story, the emotion, typically in the vocal, not always, but where I'm like listening to some detail of little piano part i played like oh i got that wrong let's do it again like no one fucking cares about that is that right. something you've learned to really do well and just think bigger picture about it
4: i kind of in some i i, I when it's my own project or something i care about a lot i, I tend to overcare and mm-hmm. I, I i get in the weeds with like almost every drum thing has to be a comp of like four or five things and i just get way to my head but my favorite part about working for other people is I can let all that go. And my right. only concern is making, mo- like 99% of the time, the producer happy. Because in the worlds I work in, it's almost always the producer who I'm dealing with. Bruce was a different situation. Um, and, you know, every once in a while, like you're working with an artist, but I feel like almost every artist I work with, the producer's still running the show. Mm-hmm. And, I really just want like best
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, to hit the Look jazz up. hands on a freeze... Stuff, like, yeah. As long as
4: as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. Um did you guys hear me? Said, so. we, we lost <laughs> you
2: for like <laughs> yeah. 25 no, seconds, just like that.
0: that. Johnny hit a nice, like Ray Charles kind of Billy type <laughs> piano part. Yeah, I heard that. Um,
2: yeah, no, it's frozen our our side. We kind of lost you right before you were saying it, you were talking about basically the fact that you, the producer, was often the person that you had to keep happy.
4: Producers basically, like as long as the producer is happy, I'm happy, and it's and, and it's it's when it comes down to them saying, hey great take, you want to come in and hear that? I just say, no, like I don't, I want to keep working as long as you're happy. Cause once I start hearing it, then I start caring.
3: Right. <laughs> right. And
4: I mean, I mean, sometimes it's a benefit for me to hear what I'm doing and say, oh, I, I'm actually doing the wrong thing. But even if I feel like I'm doing the wrong thing and they're getting off on it, like who cares? Like-
1: it's funny as a producer, the only time I tell a drummer or a singer or anybody to come in the room and listen is when they're not doing what I need them to do. Yeah. Is when i tell them the right
4: so maybe that that's maybe that's why they're calling me <laughs> um i think so, it, it's more like it's like a, sometimes a producer's like hey like you want to hear and and you know we want to make sure you're happy and i i almost don't need to i don't really need right. to be happy i i'm happy if like people are stoked on what i'm doing and i'm i'm pretty good at knowing like okay if i did this on the first take i'm going to do this on the second take
1: mm-hmm.
4: um so it's different you know i i I'm not going to give you three takes of the same thing. Right,
1: right Unless right. they,
4: well, unless we've really established what it is and then we want three takes to really just nail it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the on- honestly, like, I think people are hiring more me most likely and more often for just like a vibe rather than are we going to use a whole take? Like, I know almost all the times there's going to be some samples added. There's going to be some nudging because that's what I would do in my own music. I think it's they want the energy. And so if I can give somebody that energy in like three takes, um, that's You're great.
1: Straight up just describing the entire reason why I call Gunner and have him playing a song. <laughs> I, I need the vibe, is what I need. I can I can move a hit, I can move a beat, I can add samples stuff, but I need the vibe.
2: I also feel like drummers are the main source of getting across like the bridges of sections yes, if you yes. don't have a real drummer it's very it sounds very cut and paste music yeah. you know like when you're yeah. working on a demo a drummer is able to just make it sound like a fucking band or like a like musicians happen together you know
4: it honestly brings well, it up I, but also it's like people are sending me these songs with demo drums on them and samples are so good now that i'm like well i'm not going to actually be able to get better sounds than your drum yeah, demo yeah. but what but you can also immediately tell that it's fake yep it's like it's like ai is getting better but like there's still always that one thing and so i think it's like i get okay sounds in my little shitty studio that i can record remotely for but you're gonna get a lot of like this is definitely a real drummer and then you can add that other production stuff to make it sound like a foo fighter song or use my sound and have it sound you know more indie now even Um,
1: with even like triggering programs have gotten so good that like even if your tones aren't the best tones I'll just I can put different samples
2: on it and still get your groove and your vibe and your right you know so that's a crazy thing my my dad did all the drum programming on the Def Leppard album Pyromania so he worked what? with Mutt Langer we've <laughs> talked about this Colin don't look no we good. have not I guarantee <laughs> we have but anyway, that we can talk we can talk about that story like in more detail at some point but my point was I want to like, talk about that this was Me in too. the 80s that they he he ended up play, this was before he'd lost his arm the drummer in okay. Def Leppard I, mean, he, your dad, he I was playing, be like, dad
0: like, dad's missing an arm
2: <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he ended was, up playing like <laughs> cymbals and hi hats uh, but all the kicks snares and all the toms were all programmed right um but like that's the 80s and drummers are, were still talking to someone who's doing a ton of great session drumming work you know like So that's what is a reassuring thing. My point from this, Colin, was that like we're obsessed with and worried about AI in all of our last podcast conversations is like that was happening in the 80s. Like drums were being programmed and replacing and all that stuff. And like we're still here where the value of like a real drummer or real musician of any sort is just it's still important. You know, you see what Grimes put out
1: yesterday oh yeah, yeah i saw that she said something like uh anybody who makes a song using my voice with ai i'll split the royalties with you <laughs> like, yeah well and she posted one t-
4: she posted one too oh,
1: did she <laughs> yeah
4: and she was like yeah it doesn't really sound like me
1: <laughs> but <laughs> you know that's, a, that's <laughs> a, awesome. a great speaking of that that biggie ai oh is doing the song Holy fucking shit, only because like biggie's so dope, I like it better than easy's version
2: <laughs> but you know, do you know what I, um, my understanding of how they did that it's not it's not AI generated so they're no. singing through like a voice filter yeah. effectively, so you've still got a human being that's able to capture uh Naz's flow and everything or or biggie's flow yeah. and and do it I mean we're probably gonna get to the point where they just literally type out something and it spits it out, but
0: I mean we yeah. have another guest on this week uh his name's Armani white who. Has a huge international hit right now. And I wanted to ask him about AI. So I had the interns go into a program and put Joe Biden's voice rapping his song. So I want to see what Armani has to say about that. I don't want to get into AI because apparently, I don't know if you guys got this text message. Gunner, this is totally an aside. Apparently, the Washington Post is writing an article and using us as a. a source because of our conversation about AI.
2: Oh God, dude. What the if you fuck did, are we if, becoming? if you needed any more proof that main, like big news organizations are full of shit. Like if they're quoting <laughs> us, no, holy I've... fuck, it is end of days, bro.
0: Oh my God. Uh, but no, Gunner, I did have a question too, because I've been in studio sessions with drummers who you say you cycle through, people will cycle through session drummers and be like, that wasn't it. Fucking get us somebody else. Right. Have you ever had a nightmare session where it just all went wrong and they had to re- replace you, or was there anything specific? Like, I'm wondering, I mean, if you're in I, the room with with Miley or something, like that uh, they're like, "Get the fuck out of here, dude."
4: I mean, I wouldn't. I can't really name people. I've I've definitely like come in to say like with Andrew when he did his solo record, he had worked on it for two or three days with a drummer from a band that has two drummers, and he calls me he goes. I picked the wrong drummer <laughs> from that band. Um, so he thought he was getting one of the two drummers because <laughs> oh. he has the wrong one.
0: I'm trying and, to narrow uh, down what band this is.
4: So he like, so I had to go in and kind of like redo three days worth of stuff in like two hours. Ooh. And that was, I don't know. It was, and I've definitely like, I've gotten the call for like a band that was on tour and they were going to end their tour and record the record and they fired the drummer and I did, the album, but they had to like send him back to like England, yeah, like I'm like on Instagram, like watching their like tour, and I'm just like, they haven't told him yet, no nope. have- show oh. you know, like.
1: <laughs> I had um, to have a tough conversation with a uh, um with uh it was joe firstman and and he had a drummer, played the entire record ten songs, and at the end of the record, I was like, it's not right, it's just not right, and it was a whole thing to get him to tell his drummer, we're going to redo all the drums. We brought in Aaron Sterling and he just, you know. Yeah.
4: But yeah. I've also gotten replaced by like Josh Freeze on a record. Um, who has and a lot of that, ha- a lot, yeah, who hasn't? So <laughs> I have, and I've replaced him. So it's just kind of like, it's going to happen. Um, how how is the-,
2: the Instagram, like um, the fact that there's like 13,000, like four-year-old kids out there, you know, shredding on the drums. Has that impacted your your studio business or is it still very much like a relationship based thing of, of knowing people, knowing they can be reliable. Does that play into it?
4: I've definitely met people that I work with on Instagram, but it's, it's pretty, I mean, producers, they might want to watch that stuff, but no one's hiring those guys, you mm-hmm. know, like, mm. cause they know that they're not gonna be able to get what they need out of a tape. I'm assuming. Um, yes, I would say like 75% of my work is like people I've been working with for 15 years. Right. And everyone has just gotten more and more, um, successful. And so like the projects I'm getting called to do are getting bigger and bigger because my friends are getting better at what they do. People are on
1: the come up together. Let me ask you this. Um, you're, you seem pretty good at making content. Like you put out a lot of drum videos and, and sample stuff and this, this and that, Do you hate it or is it easy (laughs) or is it a pain in the ass or what's your vibe on content creation? Because everybody tells me that I should do it. I know I should do it, but I just hate it so much. Where do you live in that world?
4: I used to really like it. And I think people, I think if you actually looked at my Instagram, you'd realize I haven't actually been that making that much content because (laughs) I don't know, it was maybe like six months ago when I realized Instagram was pushing everything to reels Mm -hmm. and the algorithm was getting just like more and more like fucked and i would just like i would spend like a day filming something a day editing it and mixing it and it would come out and it would get no engagement and i know if like i'd posted that video six months before everyone who i wanted to see it would have seen it yeah so then like there's a couple months where i was like trying to like figure it out like oh if i post it this time and See? and figure and you know and just and i it's and then it just it became no fun yeah so at this point i, I probably have like 10 different <laughs> things i've filmed and recorded stuff for that i want to put out at some point but i haven't had the time or like desire to so i mean i think once i go i'm, I'm about to go back on tour and i'll have a lot of time days off and i'll probably i like to do it i like yeah i like i like it it, it you know it's kind of half of calling card it's half of like Oh, look at this like cute little thing I can do with a guitar pedal. Um but you know,
1: it seems like I think- tour would be a good um content place because I, you know, I toured with you, I watched you put cameras on your drum hardware, and then on tour, we do nothing but kill time. So it seems like it'd be a good place yeah. to to edit and make all that stuff.
4: Well, and also in Plissipa, there's there's more days off than a tour like we did, Kenny. Like there's just We don't do more than two, sometimes three shows in a row, but there's just a lot more like days off and like pretty nice hotels. So it's like, I'm not making something in my bunk. You know, it's like, no, I have like two days off off in Columbus, Ohio. Maybe I'll, you know, put together something. Uh, No, I do like, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) No, 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 In general, I do like it. I've just, I've kind of, you know, like, especially like TikTok kind of taking, I, I'm not, I've decided I'm not even going to like, tr- I have a TikTok and I've posted stuff there, but like I've decided I'm just, I'm happy being a bit older and not getting into that and hoping it kind of dies because I think it's <laughs> killing. I think it's just like, it's, it's a really bad thing. Uh, Instagram feels more like there is actually a community, especially for like drummers and musicians. And so I do, I do like
0: that. Yeah. Isn't it funny to think of like, we're talking to this unbelievable world, like world-class drummer who's talking about, Oh fuck, I have to worry about engagement and when do I post? <laughs> think about like like John Bonham sitting around being like, Oh boys, what time should we post the reel today? Like, you know what I mean? Like it is so funny to think about like make sure you the do the shit, we have to, the shit that we have to think about nowadays. Like these guys back in the day just fucking went and played shows and got fucked up and did all this, and then we gotta sit here and be like but how do I really
1: drive engagement through the algorithm? It's
0: we're we're living in fucking not fantasy to mention world, dude. Though,
1: that it's a metric that matters to the powers. Yeah, that-
4: <laughs> that's the part that sucks because I feel like there's a lot of artists I like a lot who are very mysterious and basically have no social media presence, exactly. and that's also really cool. Right. Um, I also feel like there's certain drummers I see who post literally every day, and I feel like that also is not like a great look. No. You know, it's like it's I, I don't know. It's it's fucking weird man like but yeah people are showing me like new contracts are get like producers i know who are working with like young artists in their 20s getting deals from like a spotify song blowing up and like in one of the first two or three provisions of a contract talking about how often you have to post a tiktok
1: Yep. <laughs>
4: and it's just like shouldn't you be like sending these these people on like the road and having them actually like play in front of like humans because that's where you're going to get like I've had tons of drummer friends who get called to play with a person that blows up on TikTok. And there's no there's no money in the gig and no one actually shows up to these gigs. Yeah. yeah. Like there's gonna be billions of views because it's like you look a certain way and it's a cool, like trendy video. But if you're not actually playing in front of humans and building it up somewhat organically, having a, a zillion TikTok followers. I don't think it actually is going to like sell that many tickets at the end of the day, if it's not organic, but that's always, I might be
1: That's wrong. always been a huge question. I mean, over the last like eight years, whether or not a follower count can in any way directly translate to ticket sales. I'm sure at some point it does, but.
2: I think it's, it's depends on one, the artist and then the genre. Like I think there's certain genres where it doesn't translate in terms of, you know, they might have a million followers and then, like, uh, Gunnar's saying, you go to the show and it's, like, not Look what you expect. at the il- expect. Island
1: Boys. Well, <laughs> right. yeah, but, well, all- yeah, but it-
2: they're also in the world of, like, people hating them. But I'm saying there are, like, there are people that have blown up purely in, like, the TikTok viral way that are able to put people in seats. Right. And then there's people that aren't.
0: Well, let's not also forget the fact that, like, most of the people on TikTok are, like, 13 years old. So it's, like, they're not buying tickets. Most you know of the people I mean?
2: on TikTok aren't people. That's also- <laughs> they're like it's 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 a bot farm or something. You know? Hey,
0: I don't think the Chinese Communist Party is buying a lot of tickets to these shows. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: we'll Why there are there a lot of Chinese people here? <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a very interesting crowd we have here tonight. Hunter, you said you're about to go out on the road. Who are you going out with?
4: Uh Plisifer. We're doing uh, a few festivals and we're doing a bunch of Europe, which is I've never done Europe with them. Yeah. And uh, it'll be fun. Some of the festivals we're doing in the U.S. Tools also playing, which uh, is pretty fun. Yeah. So
0: yeah. I am interested in that because I'm, I'm just straight out. I'm not a huge Tool guy. I don't like to do math while I listen to my music. It's, it's, just, it's just something <laughs> I've argued with a lot of people about. this I respect the fucking shit out of it. It's yeah. just not my cup of tea. Sure. With Pussifer, are you playing in these off times, or is this more of like more your style? What you're doing? Uh, there's definitely some odd times. Uh, um, But everything in that
4: band is like, is a little weird and off, but it's all for like a reason. So, um, but yeah, there is some, I mean, when I got the gig and I had to like learn a record that we're going to film out in the desert to do this like live stream, I probably listened to it for almost a month straight, like just on, because I don't make charts because I just, I just need to learn it. Right. And like the play count on these songs before I got to rehearsals with them was like 50, 60, 70. So like because the songs were like, they're so specific, but and it almost sounds like it's just like, oh, it's a random drum part. But then, like, the more you listen, it's like, oh, no, it's specific It's changing every six bars once adding. And it's it's I don't know, it's I find it really mesmerizing and really cool, but like it's hard as fuck. But that band, I get to have a lot of my personality kind of come out because it it is a lot of, it's more electronic leaning than like Tool or A Perfect Circle. Um, And we also have like a female singer, Karina. And like, so it has a total different vibe than those other bands. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, he's in Tool. So you're kind of in Tool part two. It's very, it's very different. I think they, you know, like the songs are shorter, like they're playing songs in 13 for like 12 minutes where we play... We play some stuff in five, some stuff like here and there in like seven, but it's it's a little less like counting. Yeah, right. um, so, but yeah, it's fucking hard.
2: When you <laughs> got to, gig, so if you, if you listen to like Baltic music or Greek music, it's got a lot of stuff in five and then nine and oh, like totally. weird, weird breakdowns of nine also, you know, where it's like very different subdivisions. It feels natural, you know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. feel like math rock. And it's cool when bands and when people can get to that point where you can play in these weird-ass meters and it doesn't feel like, oh, you're counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. one, two, three, four, like five, we have, you know.
4: We have a song called The Remedy. I didn't record on it, but it's in five. And it, I probably listened to it two or three times before I realized it was in five because it just the feel of it makes sense
2: to Right, me, you it feels know? natural, yeah.
4: Um, it never feels like, gotcha. Like, you thought yeah. you had a beat, and then it flips. You know, there's not a ton of that, I feel like. I might be wrong, because I've been doing it long enough, but... um,
1: I just did a remix. Yeah, I just did a sorry. remix with somebody, and they were like, okay, so by the way, the song here is in 6.8, the song here is in 5.4, the song here is in 3.4, and I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whatever comes out, comes out. Yeah. I, I just think about, like... Because you, you, one thing I've just gathered from watching your videos, and something me and Kenny talked about through text is your pocket is so fucking thick and heavy. Oh, thanks, it's man. Like, like, when you watch someone who can control that, and then you get this gig of being like, by the way, this guy is known for fucked up timing. And just, like, right. intricate drop. Was there a part of it when you got the job where you're like, oh, man, this sounds really cool, but I am fucked. <laughs> like, I'm, like, did you have a moment where you're like, I know this guy's pedigree and what he does. And, like, I don't know if this is going to work.
4: Uh, A little bit yeah I mean the first they they sent me like two songs to like audition where I was they wanted me to send a video back and uh, one of the songs is called Man, uh, Man Overboard you should check it out it's it's it is the hardest song I had heard in a long time just it doesn't sound that hard but like knowing I had to play what was recorded and since it was like a video audition I wanted to basically learn it exactly where like you know live I tend to have a little more leeway but over time it's weird like over time as I get older I tend to there was many years where like if I was on a gig I would learn the part and then make sure to like like, I'm not going to play these three fills and always do my own fills just to help bring some of my stuff and now I get off more on like I'm going to play it literally the way it is but do it so fucking awesome that it's becomes my own thing, even though it's somebody else's part. Right. So that's this puts a
1: vert. That's the a compliment center here. That's the thing about your drumming though, is that you can play somebody else's drum part verbatim and it still has a Gunner feel to it, which I think right. is, uh, is um, if I was a drummer, I feel like that would be an important thing to acquire, you know, just cause right. it's, it's, I agree. not you. just the notes you're playing. There's a feel to the way Gunner plays. And when I have a song that's like, I need that. I know who to call. And I think that's a cool thing. Right.
0: Cool. Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry at the snare drum? Why do you hit it so hard? (laughs) Like I, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with uh, a drummer's pocket. Like I like that's how I can tell a real fucking drummer when you have that feel. And I know it's your pocket when you're listening to it. There's certain drummers, you know, like I, maybe this is more of like a historical question, but like, how did you develop what you were as a drummer?
4: It's really, it's a simple like answer that's not that interesting. I had been taking drum lessons for two weeks and then Nevermind came out and it was just like, oh, okay. Right. Like, I like the drums, like, oh, what's this? And then like over the next two years, like recording MTV or like buying bootlegs, like anything I could do to watch Dave Grohl play. And I like, what's great about his drum parts is you can be pretty good at the drums And play his parts. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't for. It wasn't until years later that I realized, oh, not everybody can play them and sound like him. And I was just able to do that pretty quickly. Where like, but like the actual drum parts on like Nevermind are like pretty like beginner drum, like just go drum drum. parts.
3: Yeah,
4: right. So and so and I, I had a real drum set at my dad's house, but my mom's house, I just had a drum pad set and with drum pads you're able to like literally like hit uh, hit the stick into the pad and just like leave it there where like that kind of hurts on an actual drum Yep. but i learned i like look like because when you watch dave play like his stick hits the snare and stays there until he releases it which i've had i had to like unlearn when i started playing like quieter gigs <laughs> and i realized like that doesn't actually sound that great when you record it but it looks cool as fuck when you do it live so like over the years i've learned like how do i play live and how do i record but the simple answer just dave Grohl was like my you know compass for it was like him lars and uh herb from primus were like my first big
0: three yeah
4: yeah. i feel like between those three it like was the blueprint for like everything i've done ever since here's a side story
1: of all of that relevant information i can remember being on the bus with with gunner we were watching Nirvana's live at Reading, and Gunner air drummed every fucking hit. Hit, <laughs> every hit, every fill, every break, every everything. And I was like, yeah. "Holy shit, this guy knows this in and out."
4: Yeah, I had I had that bootleg tape when I was like thirteen, and just listened to it. So
1: good. I'm I'm curious. This is um, a very interviewee question for drummers, but favorite drummer of all time, favorite drummer currently. Whether no matter what size, and then favorite like kind of up and coming drummer. I'm curious about that spread, that spectrum,
0: and also the drummer you hate the most. I want that one as well. <sighs> um,
4: I really don't like that Black Keys drummer. And now that I know he's a piece of shit, <laughs> now that I know he's a piece of shit, it's like easy to say out loud. So yeah. fuck that.
2: And guy. even though they invented the blues, you're not oh, a big yeah. fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. I'm about to te- I'm about to text Patrick Carney right now. Yeah. <laughs> um. Up and coming. I
4: love Turnstile. I love Daniel Fang. Yeah, um, that record. I I've been listening to that record like since it came out. Like I was like the other thing other than like Dave and all that stuff. I like I was a big punk rock hardcore kid and like DIY and all that stuff. Like my first band, we just went on tour and like slept on floor. Like and I was really big into music that sounded like Turnstile, and then I kind of you know grew out grew out of it. But like that record got me way back into like just that like i love the production and those songs and his drumming is so great he's like we're like friendly on instagram he's like the nicest guy Mm. uh every time they play new york i'm gone on tour which drives me crazy but (laughs) all the videos of them playing like he's just like he's playing like i played when i was like in my 20s just like just so hard and uh it's fucking it's really inspiring perfect record Uh, yeah it's really great i don't know I, i i listen to a lot of electronic music so i feel like I like a lot of things that are made by humans but aren't actually played. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, like Aphex Twin and like John Hoppin. I mean, Alan
1: Wilkis from Big Data, he's a great yeah. example of an electronic musician who brings the nuttiest feel to the drum foundation of a song electronically. It's crazy.
4: Yeah. Like, I love what he does. Um, but yeah, I'm playing a festival with Lars in a few weeks and I'm really hoping, or oh, with Metallica. A.K.A. Lars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm really hoping to see that I, I, I played a festival with them a few years ago and we were my band Mother Feather. We were like standing side stage for like an hour and a half waiting for them to come on. And we're like, oh, we're and our our at the time, the head of our label, uh, Brian Slagle me, uh, Metal Blade Records, like was really close with them. So I was like, oh, man, we're going to watch him side stage. And then I think I'm going to get to meet him. And then like two minutes before they go on, they're like, yeah, we gotta clear this area. This is where like the fire, (laughs) the smoke machines are going. And like, all of a sudden we get punted and now we're like running out into like the main crowd, which is like 60,000 people. So we're like, now I'm like in the back of 60,000 people, like watching Metallica on like a little screen. We're like, I thought I was gonna watch them sound like side stage, like a hero. Oh. And then our and then our label head didn't come, so I didn't get to meet him. So I'm really hoping to see them at Download a little closer and maybe meet him. Just
1: I got so lucky. I got so lucky one time playing Voodoo Fest where they were headlining and we were on the same stage, and they had those like side stage and then the balconies above side stage. Yeah. And I got to stand on the balcony, me, my wife, and my bass player, just the three of us. Nobody else was there, and I <laughs> oh, man. could untie their shoes. You were that close, but I did see Lars make a mistake so bad he had to stop playing <laughs> and then pick up the beat again after <laughs> we've said it a million times on this podcast he's the best bad drummer of all time but that's the thing that's what i always what for me and i'm die diehard die hard metallica fan yeah and i'll and i'll say this till the day i die it was lars's lack of drumming skills that i feel like made him make choices that yeah it's all about the
4: choices it's yeah it's, exactly. It, like he's he's it's choices it's he's very lyrical like yeah, yeah. His, his drum parts are like saying something and they're in total response to what james is yep. singing and what the guitars are doing and nobody sounds like it yeah um even when like i've like done like sound alikes like i can kind of fake it but like he just there's this and I mean, like, let's give the guy credit. He's like 63 or uh, yeah. early 60s. He's playing drum parts made for like 20 year olds, you know, right. like, like I don't I like I get kind of like tired playing along to like a turnstile record and I'm 43, you know, like, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like you got to give him credit. He's like,
0: but yeah. give me give me something that's not technically perfect. That's unique. And I'll take that. Over watching fucking Steve Vai play the guitar and jerk off for an hour. Dude, you know on I mean? that I, on that
1: on that Saint Anger documentary where Lars is playing the song <laughs> for his dad, and his dad's like, if I were to advise you, I would say <laughs> to delete that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: God yeah so it. brutal. So brutal.
0: I love that. Uh are we've taken up enough of your time, dude. Uh, as far as tour coming up, where are you guys hitting? Basically everywhere no
4: this is, so this is kind of the third leg so we're starting at a big festival I want to say it's called welcome to Rockville or something mm-hmm. like that yeah in Daytona that. so basically we're going from Daytona up to Bethlehem Pennsylvania we're playing a few big festivals and then a few of our own shows in between so a few shows in Florida um Maryland I want to say North Carolina uh pucifer.com has all these answers but Europe we're doing a few festivals where we're playing like a bunch of major cities in Europe so um, yeah if you're a European and you've been wanting to see us we're probably playing near you we're playing or playing a big festival near you so definitely go to pussifer.com and come see us because it's a it's a really cool show it's it's definitely like the biggest production I've ever been a part of but it's it's a really fun show like I think there's something there for people who like music and are kind of musos. And then the last half is like literally like a Mr. Show, like wacky, like almost like a comedy sketch on stage, but we're playing oh, like these yeah. badass songs. It's really awesome.
0: fun. Awesome. Fuck yeah, man. Uh maybe me and Kenny and Johnny will get together and we'll write something with no drums and we'll just send over to you and tell you to do the worst thing possible. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. <laughs> just, just fucking make it bad. I think it would be I'll fun. do
4: yeah, you'll be like, give me a Black Keys version, give me a Lars version, <laughs> and then uh, something that's that's usable. Do
0: you want to talk about content? That would be great content. We'll just send you the yeah. most bland fucking instrumental and vocal. We'll be like, all right, That'd do it fun. in the style of this, and then do it in the style of that. Yeah.
4: That where are you guys? Cool. Where are you guys all located, by the
0: way?
1: All over. Johnny's in Austin. Yeah. Collins. In okay. Haley, and I'm in L.A. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm in New York yeah, a lot I,
0: though recently, so fucking. Cool, man. Him, dude, hit me up. Um.
4: Yeah, maybe you, me, and Mark
0: could grab a beer.
4: Oh my bring them God! Both, bring be- them
1: both into Barstool HQ. Do another little session there, dude. Let's just bring in like a twenty-piece drum set
0: while everybody else is recording some shit. <laughs> like that dude, drummer of Corn. Yeah, dude. We'll just <laughs> blow it out. That'd be great. <laughs> guys, right, Gunnar, thanks. It's been fun. Gunner, this has been a great time, man. Everybody, go check Good out Pusher on man. tour. Thank you, brother. We'll see you soon. All right.
4: All right, guys. Thanks. See ya.
1: Thanks, brother. Later. <laughs>
0: All right, that was Gunnar Olsen. Go see him on tour, tour with Pussifier this summer. Uh, he's also Pussifier. playing with Pussifier. Fuck you.
1: Yo, you, listen.
2: Pussifier. I, 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 I didn't, didn't even click to me. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I did enjoy doing that interview, with me being like, yo, by the way, I don't like Tool. But yeah. what's that like? <laughs> He was like, yeah. yeah." Colin's
2: got pacifier on the mind because he's painting his kid's room. So it's a a forgivable mess up.
0: (laughs) Dave, you were so so right. I should have had somebody do all this shit for me.
3: Yeah, I told you.
0: You were so (laughs) right. I should have had it. it.
3: It's so cheap, dude. A couple
0: hundred bucks. It's too late. I already fucking did it. I'm a moron. I should have had somebody else do it. Last night, I fucking repainted spots in the kid's room. I fixed one of the stairs on our staircase. Uh, I cut the lawn and then randomly got a burst of energy at one o'clock in the morning and decided to clean the entire house until three.
2: So sick. Sounds like meth. Up. That sounds like meth. <laughs> call, call. No, <laughs> no, what
0: this sounds like is my sleep schedule was so abhorrently fucking backwards that I can't go to bed before three. I can't do yeah, it. Yeah. There's nothing there I can before. do. Yeah. Like funny. I'm so backwards right now.
3: And I woke, been, up, I woke up at nine today. I in the middle of night and waking up and going to bed at like 1 a.m., I fall asleep early. I fall asleep like fucking eleven. I mean, and- as, mu-
0: as musicians, we all have fucking. When you're in the thick of it, you're in a fucking screwy schedule. Yeah. But like, with this thing involved, my my sleep schedule has been totally fucking backwards. And uh, my wife keeps being like, maybe we should go to bed at the same time at some point during this pregnancy. And I was like, I can't. I literally can't <laughs> fall asleep. There's nothing I can do. So, uh, fuck you, Kenny. Thank you, Gunner, for coming on uh anything else for on the list off the list i know we kind of went through a lot of them is there anything on anybody's list i, I have negatives. one
1: thing off my list good uh feet um, i hate feet, dude so, no well i mean my feet uh because <laughs> so <laughs> i started uh, i went back to the gym for the first time in nine months because i had kids yeah. and finally like did it <clears throat> and i like checked in or whatever it was my first time at this gym i'm walking i'm walking i'm walking i trip over a machine Idiot. I fall all the way to my face, all the way to the floor, make the loudest sound, and <laughs> everybody turns and looks at me. That's lifting weights, and now I can't go to the gym anymore. So no, yeah. feet are off my list. Yeah, you have to walk. Here again.
0: You have to walk to the front desk and be like, "I have to cancel the money." Yeah, I, I got to cancel
1: money. my. Money. I mean, it, like when I like, you know, how sometimes <laughs> you fall, but sometimes you fall all the way down. <laughs>
0: uh, I had one of those. I was trying to do like uh, dumbbell rows. Like I had my hand on the bench. And I was trying to do a row and I moved my hand slightly and my chest just fell right to the thing. And I dropped like a 90 pound dumbbell and I was just laying there. I got up, looked around, nobody saw. Otherwise I would have (laughs) also had to cancel my gym membership. So Dave, do you you have a gym on my list? You have something on your list, huh? Mm -hmm. What do you got?
3: I love watching people fall. Oh yeah. If I'm having a, like I was driving. Kook
2: slams, dude. You got to follow kook slams on uh, Insta.
3: Is that just a like? Just I mean, it's all falling.
2: surfing based, but it's all like falling. It's I, I I made fun of someone for watching it. One of our tour guys, and I was like, "How the fuck can you sit here and watch it?" Cut to a week later, it's like four a.m., and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's incredible." It's so,
3: incredible. Those, those videos at like college campuses, like it'll be oh, yeah. like uh, like middle of winter, and and it'll be passing period, and someone will be filming from like their dorm room and they'll know exactly where the ice splotch is, and they'll see all these kids with big-ass backpacks. just oh, yeah. Watches. I can do that for hours. I was just driving <laughs> home. This was a w- little while back, but we were bitching about something. We were both pissed off. And um, we're driving southbound, and there was a dude. We were at a stoplight, and there was a dude turning a corner while he was on a job, and he caught, like, a little piece of sidewalk that was sticking up like an inch and just – Quick digger, nothing. He didn't get hurt or nothing. Probably scraped his knee up pretty good, but we just laughed our ass off, and it made our day watching that guy fall. You're a, a, you call it? did you call so Kenny, I would have liked to see you fall.
2: Call, yeah, I mean, like, uh, Dave's gonna be one of those dads that just loves watching oh, their toddlers, yeah. like just <laughs> oh, face. <Facebooked. yeah, laughs>
1: oh yeah, I can't wait to just destroy my kids and like basketball and dunk on them. Or oh yeah. <laughs> oh Dave, Dude, you would have. I swear to fucking Christ,
3: this is true. When I was, we had. In my in the house that I like grew up in until I was probably twelve or so years old, we had this long fucking hallway that led to the lower floor of our house with like a three step staircase okay. in it at the top of it. It was probably I'm guessing about thirty five feet total in width or uh, in length. And my dad would sit there and he would shove a pillow up my like shirt <laughs> and he would chuck a football at me as hard as he fucking could. And, I, and he wouldn't let me catch it with the pillow. He would make me catch it with my hands. But um, he would just sit there and just rifle fucking footballs at me oh. as a little five-year-old or whatever. Dude,
0: I love that. Dave, I you know. would have loved this because all my I list listeners, drunk, pe- drunk people uh, falling because I had a great moment the other night bartending. Very busy night. This one lady is hammered, hammered drunk, crying at my bar. Over nothing. Just like sitting there crying.
3: And sounds like a typical woman.
0: Literally, we're like, you got to go. You got to go. You're obviously hammered. You got to go. She gets up, and there's like a... uh... You ever been to New York, and you see like there's like a... It's like a man-made foyer for a bar to where, Like, it's not part of the building. It's like almost like a tent kind of a thing in front, and then you go in. Yeah, it's for winter, for like heat burn. Yes. This lady, there's a step there, didn't know... And she was like, "Fuck you! Like I don't have to get out. Fuck you!" Puts her hand on the door, falls directly on her face out the <laughs> fucking door into the other door on the other side. And everyone—it's a packed bar. Everybody goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> she just ran away, dude. She oh, can't man. ever show her face there again. I. She shouldn't anyway.
2: I got I one love- on the guest li- on on the, on the list, not guest list. Um, beatboxing for drum ideas, like not to, okay. I, I can't beatbox, like, like I wouldn't want to put it out there, but just to get an idea down, I think I was watching some clip of Timbaland used to do that. Oh, yeah. Because you can just get the, the pocket and get the groove exactly right and it, it tells it better than you trying to explain to a drummer or even trying to program it sometimes, just like beatboxing and getting the, getting the feel right. So I've been doing that. That's my on the list.
0: What, what's your, yeah, what's your favorite drum beat to try and beatbox? Because I like to do a house music beat.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not going to do one for you so you can clip it.
1: <laughs>
0: you haven't got anything like that?
2: I got all of them. I'm just not doing them publicly, Khan.
0: All right. Do the beginning to smooth by Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana.
1: I just put beatboxing in a record that I made. Did you? Uh, it was actually with uh, Kellen, the singer of Sleeping with Sirens for a Sleeping with Sirens song. He was just, because he was, this is funny, he was in the booth. We were doing vocals. And he just goes, dude, I keep having, that. we should make the beat do something like this. Like, and it was still recording. And I just ended up using it. And now the song ends with his beatbox. It's actually. Oh, of- that's awesome. That's cool.
0: You ever, uh, you ever, have, you ever have anything you recorded that you forgot you recorded? Like we had this one thing that we sampled uh, me basically going like a, a, a screech that they fucked up and like, is actually all my drummers NPC that's next to him. <laughs> and I forgot that it existed. And we were just like working on something the other day and he hit that, and it's literally me like, ah, 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 and I was like, what the fuck was that? And he goes, that's you asshole. And now every time we do anything in the studio, he just puts it into songs where it doesn't need to be, and I'm like, please right. get that the fuck out of here. Oh, dude.
2: dude, get me your drummer's email so I can send him all the samples from uh, of you here <laughs> oh, on the guest list. Great idea. Just <laughs> in the middle of a song. Suck my dick.
0: My other on the list, I bought a new watch today, and I fucking
2: love it
1: you got that yeah. baby money yeah
0: no this is it's a nixon it's like a knockoff rolex basically is what it is but i love it i love simple watches i hate when you see someone who gets a fucking big chunky fat watch i need a very yeah look low pro this was a 100 bucks this is always
1: i have a fancy simple. watch that i'll put on when i go to, like do dinners and shit like that but the everyday rubber you know. Yeah, I
0: have a I have like a citizen echo drive my mom got me for my wedding that's expensive that I don't wear watches at all. You're so
1: fucking gay though, you know what I mean? Oh, I love watches. Dude, you don't like watches? Yeah, but like, no, but okay, so like my friends who have like the little case with like five of their watches. Like, I do have that case. <laughs> you know, up, I like, do have that case. Some watches, you're like yo, <laughs> fucking
0: Dave, do you wear any jewelry?
3: I wear a watch here and there. I mean just the count but Um I have a I have a like three hundred dollar watch that I'll wear. It doesn't work. I need
1: to take the get the battery replacement. Oh, oh my battery watches. Oh my my wife watch a man is not a man if he wears jewelry, and that includes watches. I do wear. <laughs> I, I love the watches. I love, can match a, like a nice outfit. To, totally, okay. she's like necklace. Fuck no. Bracelet. Fuck no. Mm. Extra rings. Fuck no. <laughs> no, I. I, I, I agree I, with that.
0: I wear a necklace. I always wear a necklace, but that's
1: Yeah, but you're from Philly. Yeah, you're a Greaseball
3: Philly guy.
0: Also, my grand like my family were jewelers. think like, that's what my grandfather did. He worked on Jewelers Row in Philadelphia. Jeweler?
1: Like, that's-, that's so true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Never
0: met him. He fought Nazis in World War Two and then was a fucking jeweler. That's sick. Don't you yeah. wear a crucifix?
1: Yeah, see? <laughs> you Catholic ass bitch. <laughs> I
0: wear this and then I have a gold one that's just Jesus on a circle from Italy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> i am what
1: i am what do you want me to do i don't give a da- shit <laughs>
0: dante's dante's a greaseball dago oh, well, if you my ever come too. in
1: contact with the vampire you're stoked because you already got a crucifix around your neck
0: that's why I, every time johnny's around i keep one on me at all,
1: every time we talk about jared leto i keep one on me at all times dog.
0: <laughs> yo i want to start a beef with jared leto i would love for
1: him to take it too seriously who do you think would win in a fight billy corgan or jared leto
2: they, dude, it would be... Wasn't that Blade 3? I was just going to say that was a fucking
0: vampire <laughs> fight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: What if we could get them... Oh, my God.
0: What if we could get them to destroy each other?
2: <laughs> like, we just start a rumor through the but podcast. But wait, I, what's wrong with said, Billy Corgan?
0: How much time you got, buddy?
2: What do you mean? Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking. I don't know. Like, oh, is he, there wasn't,
0: a... he wasn't on the podcast at this point. When we were beefing with Billy
1: Corgan.
2: Oh really? Okay. No, no, no yeah. I, I've I've heard I've heard about it, but only like I've never heard the details of what the what the issue was.
1: Oh, the issue we- is that the issue <laughs> Colin started poking the bear a while back, trying to get him to a, just just engage or respond. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those things. I don't care what happens, just as long as he says anything or even likes a comment. But it stemmed from like. Every guest that we had on any like interview that we did for like a couple months, everybody had a negative Billy Corgan story. Every, every single <laughs> yeah. one of them, like from being kicked in the ribs to like stealing their food, to, like whatever it was that it just kind of became a became a well, thing. Well,
0: then I I made it my own personal goal in life to just agitate Billy Corgan. I think <laughs> I'm now switching to Jared Leto. I you think... should do that.
3: Should we John, start you, Jared? Leto? Did you ever hear my Billy
0: Corgan story though?
2: No, I've heard a. Uh... John Cusack story
3: oh that's the best story
2: yeah I've yeah, heard that I, one that I haven't heard the was, Billy Corgan one. what's I, that that's,
3: if I see someone in public and they like recognize me they that's the first thing they bring up is they always just go fuck Cusack like, the out video, the <laughs> all I see in my head is a boom mental image of the video of you and Cusack
1: face oh
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, this was when the bulls were really good my um my one of my good high school friends his younger brother he still works for the bulls he was their ball boy he won an essay contest when he was a freshman in high school and you get to be the b- ball boy for <laughs> all uh 41 home games and now he's like like kind of in management with them he he's he never left and it was just like a fun thing for a freshman in high school to do at the time anyways All the players got to know the kid over the years, and Derrick Rose left him his seats one day, and he's like, "Hey, if you got, if you're like brother, whoever wants to come, like here's the tickets." And they were fucking sweet seats, and so he invited me. It was like a Tuesday night or something. I forget who they were playing, and I was drunk. I was like drunk, drunk. And my buddy Ryan and I are walking through the concourse, and he nudges me. He's like, "Yo, that's Billy Corgan." And I, I like did one of those. I was like, "That's Billy Corgan." And I walked up to him and he was super cordial at first. And uh he's like, We're like, Hey, can we get a picture? And um my my he said, Do you want a picture? I'm like, Oh, my buddy's the like he's the way bigger fan. And he's like, Oh,
0: you're not a fucking fan. You're not a fucking fan. Uh, what well, Dave, so, you like, don't you're not a fan of the smashing pumpkins? You don't want to take a picture with me. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Dave, come get a picture with me. Yeah.
1: It was, he kind of creeps me out.
2: Wait, was he being serious or, or was he oh, just serious? Oh, he was definitely serious? serious. He yeah, was very, very serious.
1: He's, he's that. So like, Positives, one of the fucking best things to come out of music in the 90s or, or of all time. <laughs> Negatives. He's such a fucking weird, weirdo too. But Positives, then you see a video of him like mid-set at the Metro, leaning on an amp, eating a bag of chips. And you're like, <laughs> if I fucking love this guy. If I need just him. come on
0: the podcast, Billy. That's all we want. We just want to talk.
1: That's does, it. He does. He has his own
2: podcast, right? He
1: has. He? he has an eight hour modular synthesizer show at Madam Zoo's, Zoo's coffee shop in Chicago. I think, dude, I will come there and sit
0: through the whole fucking thing. If you'll just let me talk to you for five minutes on the podcast. We should man on the street chase him down the street in Chicago and just be like Billy. He
3: he pops up everywhere out here. I've only seen him the one time, but like everywhere except for backstage. Everybody sees Billy Corgan like all the time. of sports. He's a huge baseball fan.
0: Yeah, huge Cubs
3: fan. Like actually Cubs fan.
0: I want to get him on here and treat him like Michael Scott. Or Michael Scott doing the interview with Toby when he leaves, just start with like who do you think you are? Who do you, okay, so... What gives you the right? What gives you... He goes, what gives you the right? <laughs> and just give him a rock He says, suck on this. All right, I got to fucking go, dude. This is a good episode. This was a good episode. Uh, thank you to Gunner. We're back in New York next week. We have a lot of shit to get done. Uh, who's coming on next week, Dave? We'll find somebody. No, we have somebody. Oh, Bronson Arroyo, that's right. Bronson Arroyo, I'm and fucking. you have no idea who Bronson Arroyo is, dude. Oh hell no, he pitched in MLB for like 15 years. Yeah, so his major league
3: pitcher, uh, had a super long career. He's been around forever. He probably retired, I would say, four ish years ago. I Guess he's got a band now, and they pitched into us. I'm like, fuck yeah! So See, I
1: give baseball respect because it is America's pastime, but also of all the sports, it's the worst.
0: Fuck you.
1: The worst. It's the least athletic fucking sport there is. Well, it's, it's, you, it's it's it's, it, hard it's to chess. Hit a Those, it's,
0: first of all, it's incredibly hard to hit a baseball. Too. It's the most. It's mentally taxing. It's like chess. It's a game of failure. You're
3: if you if you fail seventy percent of the time, you're one of the best players in the league. It's it better than cricket. Why I love
0: it. Everything's better than cricket.
2: No, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's the, that's what I can say about it.
1: Like we're talking about like, okay. So like when I think of like athletics, right. I think about like football yeah. players running the yeah. 40 and basketball players running for fucking a for million sure. minutes. And then, but then even like golf, right? Not very athletic, but these guys are c- crushing cigars and fucking vodka tonics all playing on a baseball. They game. did in baseball up until the fucking seventies. I don't know, dude. It, it comes down
2: to like, could you do it? Which is obviously not. No, do you know fine. what I mean? With like, you it's so therefore, it's, it's totally fine. But I agree. I, I find baseball to be boring, but nonetheless, it's definitely a fucking sport that requires when you athleticism whole, and talent. When you spend
0: your old childhood watching people fly around on broomsticks and fucking throwing balls through hoops like you did with your love of Quidditch, <laughs> how the fuck do you think anything's going to compare to that?
1: <laughs> it's true.
2: Listen, we've talked about this every time. We have rugby. That's a real sport. There's no That's commercials hard, in hard rugby. Hard. It doesn't take six hours to finish a fucking quarter. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Listen,
0: man, you, know, you, call, you can call rugby Quidditch rugby all you want, but we know what you're into, bro. <laughs> I
1: know. Are
2: you a Hufflepuff? What's your what's your squad? You Ravenclaw? The fact that you know those, Colin, is saying a lot more about you than me. He loves that.
0: You're shit. definitely not Gryffindor, dude. You're so Slytherin,
2: you pussy. You're so
1: <laughs>
2: Slytherin. <laughs> you're so fucking <laughs> <buggin'> Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> Do someone please co- clip Colin just Dude, fucking so shouting Slytherin. out Harry Potter references. Honey, oh, those oh, are oh really good audio clips
0: (laughs) fucking severus snape over here dog you're fucking voldemort you pussy you're voldemort dude all right
2: guys keep going keep going i'm taking all this send me the send me me the audio for this game
0: fucking you're definitely dude you're not harry potter whatsoever you're so you're so voldemort dude all right i gotta go for real (laughs) Bye. love you guys fucking (laughs) see you you next week bye
3: no answer your phones in like an hour if i call because don't tell me
0: what to fucking
1: do